This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1611, I'm Brian Cressman. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm, I'm Adam Lee. <laughs> Welcome to our previous episode. Uh, this is going through the previous catalog. We're experiencing from, technical difficulties. From, this is the June catalog for item shipping stores, mostly in August. Oh, good gosh. And as always, our pre- I'm going to keep <clears throat> moving along. Our Go ahead. previous episodes are as always brought to you by discount comic book service go to dcbservice.com for all your pre-ordering needs they have when you pre-order from them any dc marvel dark horse or image book they're right away 40 percent off cover price most other publishers are between 20 and 35 percent off cover price they also will run certain specials on issues of 45 50 60 even up to sometimes 75 percent off cover price you can get books, your books shipped to you weekly, twice monthly, monthly, with bags and boards. We've used them for a long time. We love them. They're great people. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. All right. Well, let's – so hope we don't have any more problems. <laughs> We've had quite a few, so bear with us. We're just going to jump right into it, unless you guys have anything else you want to bring up for before we get too far in here. Dark Horsey. Well, let us do, engage in the previous quest. Okay. Charge <laughs> Start at the very beginning of the book with Dark Horse. What looks good? I want to point out right away the new Brian Wood offering, uh, Briggsland Number One. Uh, it's a gem of the month. Art, uh, art by Mac. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this. Chater or Chatter. Briggsland, nearly a hundred square miles of rural wilderness, contains the largest anti-government secessionist movement in the United States. Where matriarch Grace Briggs wrests control of the operation from her incarcerated husband. She sparks a war within the community and her immediate family that threatens to bring the full power of the federal government down on their heads. Now, this, this kind of story is totally in my wheelhouse. Uh, it's, it's Brian Wood. I, there are very few writers who I think handle uh, sociopolitical stories better than, this, than he does. So I'm really excited to read this, especially because we often forget there is, there is a, you know, an active uh, fringe movement in our country that, that deals with that, things like – survivalism, uh, secession, anti-government conspiracies and paranoia. So I'm really looking forward to his take on, on this subject. So that's definitely a, 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 a read for me. And it's half off at DCBS only, $1.99. Nice. Could be the next DMZ. That's possible, Murray. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Page 40 has uh, Mobius Library of the World of Ed- Adina hardcover back in print. Um Looks nice. I've always wanted to see that. Look at that artwork. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read, I've actually, sorry to say, I've read very little Mobius. I mean, I, I know his work, I know his significance, mm-hmm. but Same I think here. my introduction to him was the Stanley Mobius Silver Surfer Parable graphic novel. In other words, it was a miniseries uh, in the 1980s. I remember I was floored by that as a kid. So, definitely got to get into more of his work. 
Page 44 has the fifth Beetle, the Brian Epstein story, expanded edition trade paperback. Son of a gun, expanded. Yeah, I think it has a couple more pages. I mean, I, I love the story, and I'm happy the way I have it in its original. I am, too, format. in the hardback, and I like that that hardback's a little bit oversized. But if you missed it, definitely get it. Yes. I'm sorry to say, own the hardcover. I have yet to read it. Oh. Uh, I know, and I'm a big Beatles fan. i got to make that a priority this summer. I know Jamie D was a big fan of this graphic mm-hmm. novel. Oh, yeah. Um, so I definitely have to read that. I have a buddy um, who I used to work with. Um, I forget where he had moved to, actually. Um, I might consider ordering that for him just as a, a fun surprise present. He's a huge Beatles fan. I'm going to jump ahead to page, ahead to page Good. 56. Uh, Battle Pug Volume 5, The Pauls of War hardcover, the final chapter of Battle Pug. Yeah. Mike, Mike Norton's uh, webcomic comes to its conclusion. This includes story pages not found anywhere else. Um, page 49 has Leaving Megalopolis Volume 2, Surviving Megalopolis hardcover, uh, which was Dark Horse's miniseries that um, Gail Simone and um, Jim uh, Calafuri put out. If you did the uh, Kickstarter program, which I did, I have the hard. I, did, uh, yeah. I was waiting for this to come out so I could get the second quote hardcover. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see that yeah. come out. Up on page 58 is All Yeah Comics Action Cat and Adventure Bug trade paperback. They're always a good, fun read. Now, of course, I have to note on page 59, World of Tanks, number one. Now, I could give two hoots about the video game, but the fact that Garth Innes <laughs> is scripting a comic based on the game, which is all about tanks from the Second World War, is all I need. Yeah. And a uh, great artist, Carlos Ezquerra, is doing the art on that. Uh, he's worked with Innes before. Uh, this is an immediate purchase. Uh, again, no one does military comics in this day and age better than Innes. And his, his, his knowledge... Of his subject is, is is without peer, so really looking forward to that. Back on page fifty one, um, we've got Kingsway West, uh, issue number one of a four issue miniseries by Greg Pak, the writer, and Mirko Mirkolak, uh, the artist. This, this like Black Hammer before it. Um, what was a series that had been solicited in Dark Horse several months ago, like uh, I think the better part of a year ago, in fact, uh, but uh, was then uh, scratched from their release slate and is just now being reoffered to the public. And I'm never really sure what the reason for that was, but I'm glad to see both of them back on offer. Uh, Kingsway West appears to be a... Uh, it's like a fantasy western about a tale of the Old West where magic exists, and it follows the adventures of uh, renegade gunsman uh, Kingsway Law and his adventures in a wild west where things like dragons and incantations exist. So it sounds like a no-brainer for me, especially since Greg Pak is writing it. Uh, I saw this on page 68, caught my eye. Season finale, Buffy the Vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 10. I had no idea that it was a Season 10 comic. Yeah. I, I got Season 8, enjoyed it, uh, Season 9 a little bit, and wow, Season 10, and it's, oh, it's over. I'm sorry to say that I still haven't even finished season nine. I'm a huge Buffy fan, but I just felt yeah vastly behind on that title. Behind. Yeah, I, I felt be way behind on that in season eight, as well as I wanted to get on the Angel and Angel and Faith stuff that have come through, and I'm totally way behind on that. Don't you find as you get older, it's just harder and harder to read all these books? Oh yes. No one knows that better than Murd, but and. and <laughs> This year, I'm trying to make a point to read novels in between there. So I'm I'm trying to plow through Ready Player One now, and I have to get on the Harry Potter bandwagon because there's a new freaking book coming out that I've now figured out what happens a little bit, even though I have yet to read four, five, six, seven, whatever. 
My fault. Actually, last night I was contemplating something that would have been unthinkable years ago. I'm thinking of paring down my list because I have piles of books next to my bed. I, I know some of these I'm probably never going to read. I do that all the time. It's, I got to say, it's, it's, it's a bit depressing and sobering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but these are good problems to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> Amen. Anything else for Dark Horse, gentlemen? Nope. I'm ready uh, for the DC. Yeah, quick shout-out on page 57 to Bandet, Volume 3, The House of the Green Mask, by the husband and wife team of Paul Tobin and Colleen, uh, Colleen Cover. Colleen Coover. Let's try that. Um, yeah, it's, I've never read Bandet personally, but it, it comes highly recommended, and it's the tale of a, a young girl thief and her uh, uh, amusing misadventures. So, for those of you who are interested in that, Volume 3 is out. I like the visual style of the cover. On that. All right, DC. All right. And Shane, page 77. You. That's right. <laughs> Blue Pedo Rebirth. I cannot wait. Keith Giffen and Scott Collins. Oh, be still my beating heart. <laughs> well, I was going to mention that DCBS has not one, not two, but three oh my God. different <laughs> Rebirth bundles <laughs> packing different <laughs> comics in there. I think I, I already ordered every one of them with this bundle here, so I... <laughs> At some point, I'm going to... Because they're half off. I know, I know. At some point, I'm going to stop and pick and choose, Uh but they're still putting out some of the new number ones, some rebirth number ones, so I'm... I'm not ready to cut that cord yet either. I want to keep going as long as the bundles make it worth it. Right, but... uh, So, yeah. (laughs) We've got uh, Backer on the Birds of Prey number one on page 79. Can't wait for that either. Now, of course, I'm all about pages 80 and 81. So you have the return of one of my one of my all time favorite writers, Christopher Priest, taking on a character I think, frankly, he's probably very well suited to write, which is Deathstroke. Um, I'm very excited for this. Art looks beautiful too. Carlo, uh, how do you pronounce that word? Uh, Pagulian. All right, I'll, I'll go with that. Again, no one does political intrigue uh, better than Priest. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Sign me up for those. Deathstroke Rebirth 1 and then just Deathstroke number 1 of the regular series. Announced, now, Shannon, another six in your crawl. Now shipping twice monthly. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to get past that because I know at some point that's not going to fly with me because I can't stand that Marvel does it so often. I know I'm not going to keep up with it with DC either. At least it's only two ninety nine per issue from DC. That helps. And it's half off if you do the bundles at DCBS. Which is why I keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Page 82, just beautiful Amanda Connor art for uh, Harlequin. Look yeah. at that page. That is gorgeous. Oh, they're going to milk this character for as long as they oh possibly can. Oh, my gosh, can. yes. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it when the Batman cartoon came out and Harley Quinn first came on? That's a good point, my friend. Murray, what are your thoughts on page 88 on Superwoman number one? <laughs> well, uh, not the first time we've seen uh, Lois Lane with uh, Kryptonian-esque. Uh, superpowers, of course, but uh, it's first time in uh, this uh, iteration of continuity. Um, I'm, I'm actually most interested in the uh, tease of Ultra Woman at the bottom. If there's some kind of Earth 3 connection in this series, I'm going to have to pay attention. Plus, of course, Phil Jimenez, not only writing, but providing some of the art. Yeah, uh, yeah I think that's that's going to be a buy for me, for sure. Yeah, that's what hooked me, and he's doing both of that. Yep. Now, are these titles... Are they all coming out of Rebirth? Are they going to address Rebirth that we just don't know? or I don't know that we know that yet. Okay. Yeah, I don't think very many of them are going to address the implications of the, of the Rebirth one-shot directly yet. Uh, Titans is one exception. 
I can't get the residence. Anybody's guess. I'm so is the, is the uh, are we to assume that rebirth is going to be uh, explored for quite some time? Then is that is that to seem to be I their intention? Think two years. Oh really? <laughs> I think until that darn clock ticks down. <laughs> yeah, Shane. I'm also looking forward to seeing Tim Seeley do on Nightwing. Of course, Tom King on Batman. I, I got Batman Rebirth one. I haven't read it yet. Oh wait a minute. I, I got to go to page 103. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Six-pack and dog welder. Hard-traveling heroes with a Z. Number one, written by Garth Innes, art by Russ Braun, cover by Steve Dillon, variant cover by Neil Adams. <laughs> if you've never read Innes' and John McRae's classic Hitman series, one of what I consider one of their greatest creations was this, <laughs> this team of sort of these also-ran heroes who just had some of the most bizarre powers you can ever imagine. My favorite besides Dog Welder, who just menacingly holds up a blowtorch and puppies, is uh, the defenestrator who throws people out of windows. Or maybe throws himself out of a window. I don't remember which one it is. but I think uh, it was the former, Chris. Okay, thank you. Uh, but they were brilliantly used to a comedic effect in uh, Hitman. I, didn't, I actually didn't read the miniseries they did more recently. I think that's one of my piles. The concept is hysterical, so I, I, I'm sure I'll check that out. Yeah, I love that they keep bringing, bringing them back, though. <laughs> so ridiculous. More Harley Quinn books on 108 and 109. I've got to jump back to page 105 here. Um, for uh, fans of uh, old-school Suicide Squad, there is a Suicide Squad special entitled War Crimes, which is written by the uh, progenitor of the whole Suicide Squad concept, John Ostrander. Wow. Uh, art by Gus Vasquez. So it's a 48-page special, four ninety nine, guaranteed to be less on DCBService.com. So if you want to see um, a new Suicide Squad story from the man who wrote the first, well, uh, of the... Uh, well, the version of Suicide Squad that involves villains uh, being harnessed for Black Ops uh, missions, I should say, because as we all know, there was also a Silver Age Suicide Squad. But the man who created the version of Suicide Squad that uh, is best known to the general public these days uh, gets back in the saddle for this story, and uh, definitely worth a look. On page 108, a uh, very timely and a poignant way, obviously we, we just lost Muhammad Ali, um, and DC is revisiting that classic... Uh, 70s, uh, I think it was a treasury-sized edition, if I remember correctly, originally. I think so. Yep. Yeah, uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Now here, of course, they have Superman fighting Harley Quinn. So DC, you know, shamelessly cashing in on that concept again with Harley Quinn. Um, but what I love here is they, they've kind of recreated the Adams cover. Like you see Sonny Bono there in the front of the line. It looks like the Obamas are in the foreground as well. Uh, Batman, of course. Uh so, I, I, the original Muhammad Ali, I've, I've never read that. Has anybody read that story? I have it in my to-be-read pops. I pulled it out when after he passed away. I, like, I know where I've found, and I found my copy. I actually got it from you at one of your wild pig sales, Chris. <laughs> huh. Nice. Because I've leafed through it, and, and it's Adam's art, and Adam's, we should mention, is drawing this one as well. And Connor and Paul Miami are writing. I'm sure it's going to be fun. Oh, nice. But that just struck me because uh, I always admired Muhammad Ali uh, – as, a, as a, such a vital figure in American 20th century history, so kind of a little poignant to see that. Pants, I have an answer to a question you posed some time ago on page 113. Legends of Tomorrow, the anthology, does in fact turn out to be a finite series. Aha! Uh -huh. Really was just two, uh, four six-issue miniseries squished together into one six-issue anthology. So yeah. it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, and I've been uh, 
ordering them since uh, we read the first issue, so I'll go through the finale here. Yeah. Says here, Sugar and Spike meet the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, 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 oh. nice. I love this sentence. Behold the culmination of Keith Giffen's entire professional career. <laughs> Thus far, Sugar and Spike and the Legion of Superheroes. You got to give that props. Oh, yeah. Yes, you do. And then go pull out Vexed and read that for a while. Oh, Vexed was fun. Oh, yes, it was. I have a page of original art from that in my store. Uh, it's hanging in our, our uh, water closet, actually. Nice. Uh, where Superman is trying to show Vex how to jiggle a toilet. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> My old friend Mark McKenna, the inker, he worked on that book. Yeah. And uh, I'm so lucky because the page still has the dialogue on it, which oh, you desperately need to appreciate the bathroom instruction. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. I just don't know how I feel about these Hanna-Barbera things. I know that Future Quest is getting high praise, and I'm most excited to read that. I don't like to look at any of these other ones, I'm sorry to say. I wanted nor- more normality. They didn't be, have to be goofy, kiddish, but uh, I wanted wacky races, not Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, safe to say Future Quest is the only one that really gets the feel that uh, we as uh, longtime fans think these things should have. Yeah. Shane, you'll be pleased on page 127. They're beginning to reprint Mark Wade's legendary run on Flash. Yeah, I saw that very nice. Yes. And I like the looks of that Neil Gaiman um, DC Universe edition on page 126 also. That's oh, a yeah. great – I think that was an annual, Private Lives annual that's shown the cover there with the Riddler, Joker, uh, Riddler, Two-Face, and Penguin. Yeah, boy, that's a great run on Flash. Page 128, they're giving the deluxe edition hardcover to a, what I consider a classic Robinson story, JSA The Golden Age. Yeah, I, I may break down and get that and get rid of my trade. That's, that's a – that's a classic. That sure is. It's a fantastic read. Continue to reprint Mike Grell's outstanding run on Green Arrow. I'll uh, six there. And if I didn't already mention it, uh, also through DCBS, all new DC and Marvel trades and hardcovers are half off cover price. Yay. Thank you, sir. Page 130. Page one, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If, go ahead. Go if ahead, you're Jane. not reading the Justice League 3001, I know it's coming to a close. Uh, pick up the volumes and read them. They're a lot of fun. And below that, they're starting to put the Dark Side of War, which I really want to get into. I only read the first couple issues into trade paperbacks so I can catch up on that. I just read issue uh, part nine two nights ago. I wanted to get through all of it and the Superman issue, even though we read Rebirth already. I wanted to get through. I just didn't get to. But I, I don't. I've read online. A lot of people say they think it went too long. It's been drug out. I didn't think so. I've been enjoying every part of that. I thought it's been a lot of fun good long like eight nine ten part whatever it is plus the little extras i've been enjoying the whole thing i haven't felt like any of it's really that bad or boring so you don't find it uh interminable like this batman zero city story no no god no that was terrible and that started out strong but boy oh boy that that lost it in the middle for me yeah looking forward to to reading uh, dark side war in its entirety page one then we we have just the deluge of supergirl trades yeah (laughs) And the coloring book. Don't forget the coloring book. Murd, now I know your love of Bizarro. Do you have a love of Bizarro Girl? Um, I do. Okay. Uh, this is part of the Sterling Gates and uh, Jamal Igle run, um, which I think I, I enjoyed more than the uh, well, first creative team on that 2005 Supergirl series. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably be buying this if I didn't already have all of the issues it collects. Sure, sure. 
Bert, I thought even on page 136, the saga of the super sons. <laughs> new edition. That's a great trade paperback. I have that. <laughs> and there's the Titans Hunt trade paperback, too. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, that's, that is something you know, I was saying a little while ago. I think when we were talking about uh, DCU Rebirth number one. That is one series I regret not picking up because it ch- charts the ripples in DC history in the wake of Convergence and leading right up to DCU Rebirth. So, well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I got to dig through and see exactly. I think I missed an issue or two ordering. I got to figure out which ones they are. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, I don't usually buy collected editions of recently published material, but this is one that I'm definitely going to pick up. Yeah. And uh, then above that, uh, some Silver Age Titan stuff. Teen Titans, the Silver Age Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover. Mm-hmm. Look at that groovy cover, Murd. <laughs> yeah, that is way out there, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's by Darwin Cook. Sure oh. is. I really wish I, I had the disposable income to continue. I only ever got one. I would have loved to have gotten all of them, but I love what they're doing with these Batman animated figures, the Christmas Joker, the Bat oh, yeah. Signal. They got the Bat Plane in, in, in a previews a while ago, the Batmobile before that. I, I just – $20 for a figure, man, or well, 70 like, for – Yeah, 70 bucks for the, I, the, I just the, can't. Uh, the Bat Signal. Wow. But, man, does it look awesome. You have two very – you have some nice – again, Shane, again, if we had the money, you have, on page 148, you got a great uh, Batgirl two-pack. Two oh, yeah. Some nice Harlequin statues. Even maybe the Adam Hughes... Show, maybe uh, will show up in a wild pig auction. The Adam Hughes Wonder Woman one on page 146 is nice. Indeed. Anything else for DC, gentlemen? Nope. I'm good. On to IDW. Page 153 has more Atomic Robo. I always enjoyed that book. Uh, page 156, the book three of the March Saga, which... Uh, John Lewis, who was a serving member of Congress, but in his youth he was a leading civil rights activist, uh, working with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and this, they're continuing to chronicle with his participation, his experiences in the civil rights movement. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm glad that came out. I was getting a little worried. It's been a while since two came out. At least it seems like a long while. Pants, look at page 158. Yeah, I see it. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Chris Samney's Daredevil Artist Edition. Wow. That is an October release. If that gets here in time, that'll probably show up at our Wild Pig auction for our fall sale. (laughs) (laughs) And then Pants will shout out 52 as his opening bid. (laughs) Fantastic. And then get beaten in submission. (laughs) Anybody? I haven't read um, the ROM Free Comic Book Day book yet. I have not yet either. It's also on my pile. I cannot wait for – this stuff comes out in August. I can't wait for September with their Micronauts, Action Man, ROM. They're looking at the mask and bringing in G.I. Joe and Transformers. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Nirvana. Page 160. This is interesting. Star Trek 5960. They're having the two versions of the original crew meet apparently. Oh, that might be interesting. I missed I'm stoked, that. I'm stoked for Star Trek Beyond, by the way. <clears throat> I'm um, uh, skeptical. Really? I think it'll be beautifully rendered. Yeah. I'm not too sure about the story, but I will go see it. I'm sure well, I will it, go see Idris it. Idris Elba is playing the villain. So Who is? Idris Elba. Okay. He's from The Wire. He's, he's plays, oh, he plays um, Heimdall in Thor. Oh, got it. He's a great actor. What else do you have for IDW, gentlemen? Hmm. Two things that I think are very much worthy of mention are on page 187. 
I knew uh, you were going here, Murd. Excellent. Oh, yes. Didn't want to disappoint you, Chris. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're two prose publications, actually. They're not proper comics, but they're illustrated prose stories. Uh, a couple of classics, actually. One of them is, uh, well, close to my heart because it's L. Frank Baum's take on the uh, secret origin story of Santa Claus. It's called The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. I've had a hardcover copy of that for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> This is a brand new edition, though, with spot illustrations by the person who I consider to be the uh, comic book uh, Oz artist of record, uh, Eric Shanower. Uh, so, yeah, that's... And, oh, and then it, it also included in this volume is another L. Frank Baum short story, A Kidnapped Santa Claus. Hmm. 144 pages of, of prose, prose with Shanower's gorgeous illustrations. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, – I'd urge everyone to try that. And now, right, would you carry something like this at your store? If we were still as much into uh, uh, the sale of books as we used to be, uh, my mother, who is as big a bibliophile as you're likely to meet, so her position on this mystifies me a little bit, she is of the opinion that people are not buying books as they used to. So uh, we're not selling very – we keep one or two copies of The Night Before Christmas around, and that's about mm-hmm. it. But, uh, yes, if I had my druthers, I would absolutely stock several copies of this. Well, if you ever decide that you want to, let me know and I'll hook you up. Oh, much appreciated, Chris. Uh, I, may, I may take you up on that, actually. Please. And uh, then, The Wind in the Willows, also on page 187. Uh, it's the original text by Kenneth Graham, you know, a children's classic, illustrated by our very good friend, Mouse Guard's David Peterson. Oh, and it says in the copy here that this has been... Uh, Painstakingly illustrated over three years, and those of us who are Facebook friends with David know exactly how long and how hard David has been working on this. He's poured a lot of his blood, sweat, and tears into it. So I urge any of you listening, if you have young ones at home who might enjoy, maybe don't have a copy of The Wind in the Willows yet and would like to see a beautifully illustrated one, or even if you just want to read a beautifully illustrated version of this classic story yourself, in the name of Jamie D., buy this book. Ah, yes. I know darn well if he were in on this conversation, he would be telling you to do exactly the same thing. David is a true craftsman. Yes. Yes, indeed. And speaking of craftsmen, on the other page, 186, Ditko Unleashed. This, they're doing a, uh, a retrospective of Ditko's work uh, in Spain in the fall of 2016. Uh, the Palma de Mallorca. I, I probably just butchered that. But um, I'm familiar with this this group because they did a book and, a, and, a, and an exhibition of John Buscema's work, and I have that book. It's gorgeous. So, th- like, this is the book that would accompany the exhibition, so I'm definitely going to pick up this book. The only thing I want to go back to on 177 is um, I like that Disney's not just beholden to their classic versions of characters and books. This Duck Avenger looks kind of fun to me. <laughs> Image, gentlemen? Yep. All right. <laughs> New Jonathan Hickman on page 190, uh, The Black Monday Murders, a new crypto-noir series about the power of dirty, filthy money and exactly what kind of people you can buy with it. Classic occultism with the various schools of magic are actually clandestine banking cartels who control all of society. A secret world where vampire Russian oligarchs, black popes, enchanted American aristocrats, and hitmen from the IMF work together to keep all of us in our proper place. Boy, am I reading this. Wow. Corporate skullduggery right up my alley. Combined with magic. Hmm. And the next page is, is getting my heart palpitating. Page 192. The team when it comes to crime noir in, in the modern comic book medium. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, 
Elizabeth Breitweiser, Kill or Be Killed, number one. This, this story explores the a thriller and a deconstruction of vigilantism. Oh, wow. I, oh, <laughs> I cannot wait to read this. Brub, to me, Brubaker is one of the modern masters in comics today. So, and he and Phillips are just a classic team. Everything they've, everything they've done, criminal, fatal, sleeper, scene of the crime, I, I, I highly recommend all of it. So, very excited to read this. Interesting uh, effort on page 196 here. Uh, Eden's Fall, which appears to be a, sort of a crossover or a jam series, uh, combining three uh, recent uh, image titles, Think Tank, The Tithe, and Postal, uh, two of the three of which I actually have tried. So I will strongly consider uh, trying Eden's Fall as well. Remember, what did you think of the two that you had tried? Uh, well, I was a little worried about the tithe at first. Uh, it was about a pair of, uh, I guess, feds who are uh, investigating uh, a cyber terrorist who was uh, hitting corrupt religious organizations and uh, stealing their ill-gotten charity funds and uh, channeling them to more legitimate charitable uh, causes. Um, and then Postal was about... Uh, a young man with Asperger's syndrome, I think, working as the postal clerk in a small town in Wyoming that was actually run by uh, uh, a small crime cartel, and, uh, and he's, he was like a relative of uh, one of the members thereof. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. The, the lead character was an, an interesting character uh, because of his uh, well, his condition. It made his uh, narrative voice kind of unique. Um, so, and I think Tank I'm not familiar with, but uh, combining those two at least into one series um, will probably yield some interesting results. All right. I, I want to point out uh, for fans of Saga on page 200, look at that artwork by Fiona Staples, a wraparound cover, a new story arc where they're really going to get, looks like they're really going to get into the war that is sort of the framing device of the entire narrative of Saga. Um, a self-contained event. We've been building two since our very first issue. Now is the perfect time for readers who love Saga's best-selling collections to join our monthly adventures. Hmm. Yeah, that's a sales pitch you don't often see, just uh, wooing people away from waiting from the tr- for the trade and getting them to try to buy the single issues. Yeah, it's a point, Mert. Curious how it's gonna, I'm wondering how that's going to work out for them, because we noticed, long uh, we used to do numbers, that The Walking Dead would always generally have bump-ups in new story arcs for comics because people were going off of the trades into that because they wanted to read it so quickly. Yeah. I wonder how it's going to work Saga right now. I mean, kudos to them because, you know, I'm all yeah. about single issue. And there's actually more content sometimes than easy because they have all the back matter which is initially reprinted in the trades. Sure, sure. That's a good point, Pants, because Saga, for example, you, you always get a very generous uh, letters page section with Vaughn commenting oh, yeah. throughout. It's good, um, it's good stuff. So, and you know, if if I may editorialize that, that's what we do here. I think Saga is a far superior book to Walking Dead, so I hope it gets the you know, an even bigger bump from this kind of approach. And Shane, when you get there, we'll talk about why I dumped Walking Dead. I know, I know. I'm I have I think four or five trades sitting there, and I just haven't brought myself to go read them yet. Yeah, bring some on vacation with you. I may bring one or two on. Yeah, summer's a great time for reading. It sure yeah. is. Absolutely. <clears throat> Um, I'd like to jump back to pages 198 and 199 for a quick sec here to take a look at Lake of Fire, number one. 
interesting idea for a series from Nathan Fairbairn, a guy who's better known as a colorist, uh, but uh, he is uh, going to be the writer and uh, in part the artist, I'm assuming color artist, uh, of this series uh, himself. Um, and it's about uh, 13th century crusaders uh, who have to cope with uh, the crashing of an alien spacecraft into the middle of their uh, peregrinations. <laughs> Double-sized first issue, 44 pages of story, no ads, three ninety-nine. Sounds like a bargain. I've always been fascinated by the history of the Crusades, so that's something they may check out. See how they interpret it. That spaceship's probably going to put a kink in it. <laughs> Anything else for uh, Image, gentlemen? No, other than a question. Is Chew coming to its end? It's up to 57. I don't know why I thought that was... I want to say it's ending at 60, 60? Okay, that's what I thought, too. Which book? I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. Chew. Oh, Chu, okay. On page 206. I will say in general, I really enjoy when, uh, you know, creators, when they have their druthers, they can end their story oh, as yeah. they wish, yep. uh, which, which, always, which often is, is immensely satisfying. I agree with that, too. All right, on to uh, Marvel. Marvel. Marvel it is. As Murd uh, mentioned uh, off the air, it's just Civil War, Civil War, Yo. Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, whew. Yeah. It's a lot of Civil War. I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's a huge event, so naturally they're going to do as much cross-promotion as they can. But yeah, it's not much, for, at least for me, here to talk about because it's kind of in the midst of this... Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> this mess. Yeah. And I, I think most of the single issues that I get from Marvel, I think, are sort of bypassing this. Like, I get uh, Black Widow. I don't think that's... Part of it. Um, Vision's not. Vision's not. Mighty Thor. Um, Silver Surfer. Those are the only Unbeatable books. Squirrel Girl. Well, those are the only books that I am getting that are yeah. part of it. So, but it looks like like Black Panther's not up there. Daredevil. Um, Doctor Strange. So I mean, it's not all Civil War, but no, a good chunk. A good chunk. But yeah, for what I'm getting, I'm not even paying attention to Civil War. But Civil War, I don't even know what's going on in there. Well, you, you just you guys just mentioned some of Marvel's best titles. I mean. Vision is tremendous. Uh, God, that that issue with, with that last issue of the Vision where they re, re, revisit history of the Scarlet Witch. Uh-huh. Uh, my God. Yeah. Tom King is just at the peak of his powers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I agree with that. Mackerel. That that may be my single issue of the year vote when we do our awards next year. That that was amazing. Yes, it was. I um I I'm so not into the second Civil War that I I, I ordered the zero issue and. My youngest had a couple friends over, and they they read comic books. I gave one of them a Captain America trade, and he's. I said to Pants earlier, he's been carrying it around like a like a like an old lost blanket from the way I understand it, uh, which is great. And I, I think it was uh, the Cap for President trade that I had given him because I have a hardcover version of that. And they saw stuff. They came, of course, to look at the the comic room and whatnot. And he got all excited. Oh wow, Civil War! Thinking, oh, the movie was just out. So I took the digital code off of it, and so I can download that later. I gave him that issue. I gave the other one uh, a Giffen Bwahaha issue one Justice League that I had laying around because I got like a thousand of those, <laughs> and um, they were both happy as clams, uh, excited they got a couple comic books. So that I don't You're mind. You're an enabler. I am. I'm happy to, to maybe read Civil War, but I don't have much desire to, to read the well at nauseum. Uh, I think that's an upcoming off the rack selection with yes. Civil War Issue number zero. I know, which, which I have. You know, I'm glad to have it, and I'll download the code. That's because I, I took the picture of it, so I could do that. 
Um, Chris, I had a question. Sure. I did not realize this, and I wondered if you did, that on whatever page this is, ooh, page 90, because Vader 89 and then no, no page number 90 is the last issue of Darth Vader. I was taken totally by surprise as well. On the one hand, I'm bummed because I, I, this book has been consistently great. Yeah. Since the first, we told, we, we've waxed Rhapsodic about on the air many times. At the same time, to piggyback on the comment I was making before about finite series, if the creators are realizing the extent of their vision, yeah, more power, oh, to, more them. power to them. And I I'm was happy, just shocked. I'm happy to see how, you know, if, if this is the end of their story, great. Yeah. So, but this, this, I mean, I think LaRocca is turning in the, well, I, didn't I nominate him for a penciler of the year? I think I did last, yeah, I did for 2015. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the work of his career. Kieran Gillen, I think, has been turning in just very compelling scripts, mm-hmm. really getting into the nitty-gritty of Vader and his psyche and what makes him tick. And uh, as you see on page 89, there, it, it, he's, he's engaging in a the inner mindscape of the forest, and there's Amidala. Yeah. So the Star Wars comics, we've said this many times, they've just been consistently awesome. I mean, yeah, they're they really have. good. I can't say enough good things about what Marvel's been doing with their Star Wars comics. I love the the Times Past-esque Obi-Wan stories that they put in the regular oh, Star Wars books. And my God, if, if there's ever a standalone movie that's dying to be made... Oh, you're not kidding. Get McGregor, just adapt some one of those stories, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a magnificent film. Now, Shane, this is a bit of a tangent, but uh, we talked about the C-3PO special uh, in our Off the Racks episode. I haven't read that yet. Oh, it's great. Oh. Do it. It's uh, Merle, I'm sure you loved it, didn't you? Uh, yes, yeah, talk about something that feels oh. like a time's past. I mean, it's Robinson yeah. Harris. Oh yeah, yeah. And, that, and the theme of the story is memory. So yeah, it's awesome. Should I look love, forward to discussing that when you've read it. I love how just in the movies and books and whatever that C three PO is always the one that's threatened to get his mind wiped. <laughs> and as an, just as, a, as another topic, on page uh, ninety two, I just want to comment a little bit about. This is speaking as a reader. The sadness I feel sometimes when when the, I used to really care about a title, but then when it just because of of whatever reason it just doesn't come out enough, I kind of lose track of it and I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Powers is one of the best examples of that. I love this book. Uh, it, sort of like in its image heyday, and then it, when it first moved into Icon. And then for whatever you – know, I don't pretend to know what the reasons were, but it just came out so sporadically, and I just, I just totally lost interest in it, and I never, I never got back in any sort of you know, you know, joy de vivre when it came to reading this book. And it's, it's, it's a little – it's disappointing for me because I, I really love the concept um, in its initial arcs, which I thought were awesome. That the arc forever is particularly compelling, um, I, and I have to say I just don't care anymore. There's just there's so much competition out there, and when when a book just is not coming out, uh, it, it's hard to stay with it. What do you guys think about that that kind of issue? Oh, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, things that I'm really excited about that maybe take too long or change direction that, eh, and I just lose interest in it. Um, I've always been a faithful Penelope when it comes to the series that I follow. I it doesn't matter how many years it takes between issues, I'm always right there to pick up where I left off. It was that way with Alan Moore's Supreme run. That's admirable, Murd. I think part of the problem for me is there's so many things I'm trying to read, and then I, if something hasn't come out for a long time, I forget what the hell is going on in the story. Sometimes I do that too. And I'm like, well, this all this stuff is expensive. If you can't get the stuff out in a timely fashion, I'm going to give my money to something else. Um, 
So I, I think that's part of me just being like a, a curmudgeonly older person because when I think back to all the master creators who like had to get stuff out on a regular basis because that was their living and they mm-hmm. weren't like these multimedia darlings and superstars. I mean, think about what people like Kirby and Gene Colan did, which, when in hindsight, was freaking mm-hmm. just like superhuman. What these guys were doing, um, it just. Sorry, it's just I, when I compare that to what some of these guys who can't get out like six issues in a year, it's just whatever, you know. I just yeah. they do deserve to be publicly derided for that. I'll go along with that, but um, yeah, it's, it's not going to discourage me from actually buying and reading the stuff. No, that's fine. I'm not I'm even deriding them. It's just that. Consistency matters to me. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Uh, in terms of trades, oh, Murd, I thought of you on one page 123. Have you seen this? Uh, Doctor Strange and the Secret Defenders. Oh, oh, wait a minute, it's that Secret Defenders. Yep. <laughs> you know, I completely overlooked it. All I saw was Doctor Strange on the cover. I didn't even look at the uh, the title down below. Wow. Yeah, that's the classic 90s Secret Defenders. Murd, let me tell you right now, I'm getting that book for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, Chris. I appreciate it. I, I actually I do have, have all of the issues. And I, I, yeah. I thank you for thinking of me, but uh, yeah, this you is something need- I, I wouldn't even encourage anyone to buy this for themselves because, <laughs> speaking objectively, the stories just weren't that good. I like the concept a lot more than the execution. <laughs> Fair enough. That I, I will not. I will not impart that to you. But I appreciate that. Um, I I'm always looking out for you, buddy. I'm a big fan of Marvel's epic collections. On page 128 and 129, I like this concept. They're expensive, but you get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, you do. And they're color. And it's kind of like Marvel re- revisiting their essentials, but in a different format mm-hmm. with color. Um, and they, they've been collecting great arcs. Like on, on page uh, 128, you got classic Captain America from the Silver Age, including the first appearance of the Falcon. Uh, Tell Suspense 97 and 99, and then Captain America 100 to 119. 97 and 99 is the classic Cosmic Cube story with the Red Skull. And then page 129, how can you go wrong with a Defenders epic collection? By Demetrius, no less. Great. You know, my kids always loved on page 135, the mini Marvels by uh, Chris Giarusso. I don't know what he's doing now. I thought this was a wonderful all ages book. You know, of all the all ages books, that's one my kids never got into. Really? Nope. Oh, Jun devoured this repeatedly. We actually have some Gia Russo sketches hanging in our house. Nice. Does anybody really need to read Extinction Agenda again on page... Uh, no. 136? No. <laughs> no. I didn't read it the first time. Oh, fair enough, Mark. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Don't, you, it, it, that's okay. There's always new readers coming in, after all. That's dry. Just for me, I remember this is one of the, I thought, one of the more bloated X-Men crossovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That may be why I didn't read it the first time, actually. But I think there may be a bound copy of it in the CGS studios, thanks to Matt. I don't know if that's one of the crossovers he did. That's possible, my friend. Uh, I don't see it here. No, I don't, I don't think that one is. <laughs> Anything else for Marvel, gentlemen? Mm, I'm good uh, Marvel. For your sake, Chris, I wanted to jump back quickly to page 65. Did you Pretty notice much. writing uh, this year's Daredevil Annual? Yes. that Murk, thanks for pointing that out. I meant to mention that. Well done, sir. It's nice to see... A very important and often overlooked and underrated Daredevil writer getting some work here with that character, uh, Roger McKenzie, who was the scripter when Frank Miller first came on the title. And he's often, you know, he's overshadowed by Miller, but, you know, he was the writer, and I mean, he, create, he brought him to the Ben Ura character, I believe, for example. Hmm. Um, 
he's actually doing a variant cover for this issue. Unless that's a, re- a misprint. Oh yeah, look at that. I didn't know he. I didn't know he was a penciler as well. Yeah, neither did I. Oh, interesting. I'm sure Mr. Weatherington can give us some edification on that. On the forums. Outstanding. Anything else from Marvel, gentlemen? Nope. Nope. Uh, I do have to point out on page uh, 82, the Flaming Lips are appearing in X-Men 92, number 6. <laughs> I'm a Flaming Lips fan. I'm not going to read the book, but, you know, great band. Very 90s. Yep. All right, I got to point out, uh, as we go into the rest of the book, I'm really pleased to see that they're doing a Rachel Rising omnibus. Yeah. Very reasonable price, pants. Only seventy-five bucks. And thirty-five percent off at DCBS. Only forty-eight seventy-five. Yeah. yeah. This is a, a series I fell behind on, but I loved it, and I, I'll wait till the omnibus comes out and read it into one sitting, basically. Yeah, I, I just finished reading it, and it's an interesting ending, which I, I'm going to have to reread again to get in the context, because you know, God bless Terry Moore, but he doesn't have recap pages, which you know, you don't. Know oh yeah, yeah. And from month to month. My mind empties, and yeah. I forgot what I've read, and where they are, and, and who the characters are. So, and no word on what he's doing next yet. Not that I'm aware of, but I'm patiently waiting to see what he does next. Sure, absolutely. I mean, to me, he is one of those rare creators who can just basically tackle any genre, and you know, wring something new out of it. Plus, he's a—I mean, I think he's one of the top artists in the business, number one, and he's also one of the greatest writers working in comics. That—that's that is just a oh. What a deadly combination! Mm, yeah. um, he's the triple, like a triple threat there. It's just fantastic. So I, I, I read, maybe maybe I read half of Rachel Rising, one of the creepiest comics I've ever read. I mean, <laughs> there were scenes in that pants. I'm sure you'll agree that were so chilling, uh, and just you know you want to pull your covers over your head at night after you oh, read something. Oh yeah, so well done. Guy can do anything. Uh, worthy concept uh, from Action Lab Entertainment, one of their uh, Danger Zone books on page 253. Uh, it's called Blood and Dust, and it's the story of Judd Glenny, who is, uh, quote, the first American vampire, formerly the terror of the Old West, but now uh, 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 reaching his second or third century of existence. Uh, he's mellowed a little, and he acts as a caretaker for his vampire great-grandkids. And some kind of evil monster or demon that dwells in a nearby swamp starts to threaten those grandkids, and we get to see uh, this uh, old codger of a vampire go into action once again um, as a protector. So it's kind of a old west vampire good guy story. Bit of a genre bender. Sounds like fun. I am way way up on two ninety eight in Boom. That's fine, sir. Um, page two ninety eight. I may actually have to really have to get this. The official making of Big Trouble in Little China. A whole bunch of back behind the scenes stuff. I love this movie. It's a classic B film. Oh my god. I watch it anytime it's on. And right next to that, on page 299, Jim Henson's Labyrinth 30th Anniversary Special 1. That might be worth a look to. Uh, yeah, I w- it would be a definite buy for me if it weren't nine ninety nine for a 48-page issue. Ouch, I didn't see that part. Yikes. Yeah, it's collecting some free comic book day offerings from Kaboom. Wow. Yeah, and with some rich, some like new art, I guess not uh, previously released, but uh, yeah, ten dollars for that is not quite worth it. Well, thirty-five percent off a DCBS, only six forty-nine. Yes, <laughs> uh, closer, but uh, no cigar. <laughs> 
page 300 has a mouse guard coloring book that actually looks really interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and jump back to page 276, uh, where we see under Archie that uh, there is an issue of Afterlife with Archie coming through this month. Uh, number 10. Um, and it uh, features the Afterlife with Archie take on uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Nice. Oh. Actually, Murda, the latest issue of Afterlife with Archie finally came out. Right, number 9, right? Just recently. I haven't read it yet. It's on my pile. A series I've really been enjoying, but again, for whatever reason, just a huge gap. Uh, in terms of uh, releasing the latest issue. Well, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa got a little distracted. He was one of the uh, executive producers or creative advisors or something on the Supergirl TV series, and ah. I think that uh, distracted him. Well, they're doing a good job on that show. So, And that, like what I was saying before, I, I don't begrudge creators if they have other stuff going on at their, you know, unless you're making a crappy Powers TV show. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just... It's, uh, sometimes it's just as a reader and, and also as a retailer. You're trying to sell stuff, and if things are not coming out, you know, a lot of times customers say, I don't want to buy that anymore, and they just drop it. And you know, It can have an impact from, oh, from sure. a business standpoint as well. Uh, let's see, page 289 uh, from Bleeding Cool. Uh, fans of the Hardcore Henry first-person shooter action movie recently. They're pretty... Different uh, approach to making an action movie. It uh, you know, got a lot of positive buzz. Uh, there's a comic book prequel to it called Hardcore Aiken, telling the story of the main antagonist of that movie. So if you enjoyed Hardcore Henry, here's Hardcore Aiken. It's actually written by a couple of the people who were involved in the making of the movie, including the director. I'm going to jump ahead to Dynamite, page 324. I was right there at that, too. Yep, Battlestar Galactica, uh, the original late 70s version of that classic concept, written by Colin Bunn, art by Alex Sanchez. Uh, I, I just, you know, I just watched for fun the original, uh, well actually it was originally a theatrical movie, then it was reissued as a, as a series of episodes, but the sure. first Battlestar Galactica story sure. from 1978, uh, which is still, I, I still enjoy immensely. Oh, I do too. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. So this this is re, you know revisiting those original characters as they enter a, a, an uncharted section of the universe with the Cylons hot on their heels. And I was just talking off the air how I also just recently watched again the original Buck Rogers, the Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray. It's another the, great classic. It was also a theatrical release before, but then repackaged on television. Was it? I did not realize yeah. that was in the theater. Yes, it was. Wow. And there's actually, totally there's actually a slight difference between the theatrical version and the TV uh, pilot. Huh. But uh, they're very much products of their time, like when mm -hmm. Buck Rogers is trying to get Ardala to dance the disco, for oh, example. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's – I don't know if people today would enjoy it as much as we did when we were growing up with it, but it's fun. It is a lot of fun. Well, as uh, well, when we were talking about Cullen Bunn's Micronauts number one during our Off the Racks episode, I pointed out how much it reminded me of uh, of classic Battlestar Galactica. And so here's the same guy writing that property now. So clearly he was champing at the bit. Hmm. And I wasn't, like I said in that episode, I wasn't a huge fan of his take on the Micronauts, but I did comment on how I think that would be a good book for all ages book. So we'll see how he apl applies that sense of fun to Galactica. I'll definitely try this first issue. Uh, before we stray too far past Dynamite, I just want to jump quick back to page 318 and give some additional love to uh, John Ostrander, who I mentioned during the DC part of the catalog. Um, and a fairly obscure independent series of his is coming back into print, thanks to Comic Mix. It's called Hotspur, Complete and Astonishing. 
and it features, uh, well, scripts by him, artwork by Timothy Truman and various, and is the story of a Shakespearean actor who's thrust into an other-dimensional magical world where uh, uh, anthropomorphic animals and other weirdies are the dominant species, and he has to rely on his guile and whatever skills of stagecraft he's learned to keep himself alive while he's there. Yeah, that sounds like a rollicking good time. <laughs> Up on um, 367 in the HarperCollins Publishers, uh, something that I have I pick up and look through and put down, um, but now that there's one volume of it, I may actually get it. Um, Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book, a complete hardcover, illustrated version. Um, I've looked at these individual volumes, ones and twos, over time. And just never, never chomp at the bit. But a, a hardcover encompassing the whole thing, eh, I might get that. Yeah, I'm pretty tempted to buy that too, Shane. But I think I may resist and see if there's going to be a single volume soft cover later. Yeah, on. I know you would. <laughs> yeah. I kind of I figured that. I'm predictably cheap. That's all. Right. <laughs> Not cheap, Mer. Just uh, frugal. That's all. Frugal. Yes. <laughs> on page three sixty nine, two things I want to point out. We had talked a while back about uh, Peter David and the great Savaluto's take on The Phantom. And I read the first issue, so I really enjoyed it, but then I kind of lost track of it. Now they're reprinting it in a trade. I want to say this is from Hermes Press? I believe it is, yes. Yep. And uh, I, I, I mean, Valuto, I, I love his work, of course, from Priest Black Panther. I think he's a master uh, artist. And uh, I enjoyed – did you read this, Shane, the first issue? I read the first issue, yeah. And, and like then, it? and then I lost track of it as well as to when yeah. issues were coming out. And then I think that was at the same time that um, there was another imprint doing a Phantom series, right? Too, and then I got yeah. completely confused for a month or two. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to pick this up because I, I enjoy what I read. And then uh, sort of catty corner to that, Frank Thorne's Gita, an erotic treasure archival edition. I mean, Thorne, of course, you know from the Red Sonja art from the 1970s, great artist. Um, so this this looks very interesting if you're a fan, a fan of his work. It says, in 78, fresh off his run on Red Sonja, Frank Thorne went on to create the lusty warrior goddess Gita. Uh, on page 372, under Joe Books, continuing to roll out some, well, uh, potentially quality publications based on Disney properties, uh, yeah. we've got a new Pirates of the Caribbean series, um, written by Chris Schweitzer, the man who uh, both writes and draws the uh, Krogan series of the all-ages uh, historical period comics. Hmm. Yeah, which uh, detailed the, the adventures of different uh, members of a, a single family bloodline in different periods of history. Like one of them was a pirate, one of them was a French Foreign Legion member, and so on. So now he, you know, he's a person who's established his credentials as an amateur historian as well as an artist. And he has been tapped to write adventures of Jack Sparrow as part of Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean property. So you know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be in. The artwork from this uh, cover image we see here by Joe Flood looks pretty good too. So, yeah, because it's it would just be just a strong maybe if it weren't for Chris Schweitzer, but because he's involved, I'm definitely going to buy the first issue. I'm going to go to page 384 under Oni, uh, just because there's something very interesting about this. Jeff Steinberg, number one. Joshua Helfelikoff is the writer. Tony, I guess it's Fleeks. Mm-hmm. Artist. The double-sized debut issue of the new sci-fi rom-com drum, drum, drum actioner for the writer of The Bunker and the artist of My Little Pony. Invasion. Aliens are real. They're here, they're mean, and they're standing in judgment of the citizens of Earth. Final countdown. Representing humanity by some fluke is your boy Jeff Steinberg. Romantically challenged idiot. Video store clerk. Ah, yes, I remember those years. Constipated, confused, distracted. In other words, the planet is totally doomed. Also, robots. 
<laughs> now, what I find interesting about this, I, I was a video store clerk for years. That explains it. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in college and, and a little bit afterwards. And it's just – I'm wondering if this, is, if this is taking place in the past because video stores don't exist anymore except for the occasionally like adult video stores. So uh, very interesting concept. Yep, sounds like uh, a good time to me too, Chris, and I trust the creative team. Yeah. We know about Fialkov, and uh, I look forward to seeing what Fleeks' artwork looks like when he's not drawing Applejack and Fluttershy. Mm. Think about think about how quaint and archaic the concept of the video store is today, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it Blade sure fees. is. <laughs> God, people get pissed when I have to charge them. Later. Rewind fees. <laughs> Be kind, rewind. Yeah, yeah. All right, now. All right, all right. Now, Pants and Sheen, everybody actually, page 392. Now, come on, if you had disposable income, of course you'd want the <laughs> Shakespeare bust from Batman, the classic TV series. I don't want one that's a bank, though. I want one that I can hook up oh, and make work. Oh, it was a bank. It's oh, a okay. bank. It's a vinyl bank. <laughs> it's got a hinge. You can move the head. That's fine. Blah, blah, whatever. I want one that I can wire up and do something with. <laughs> I want to wire it up to a secret door so that it pops open to the comic vault. I know something. Anyway. <laughs> I'll even take just turning one of my closets into a replica of two bat poles that go nowhere. <laughs> Bruce and Dick, you know. I Shane will love you. I love. I one day I will build a secret door. Um, Pants, I have a question for you. Up in the Titan era, okay. You see a Doctor Who, the Third Doctor, number one. Uh huh. I know that wasn't your favorite series. Correct. Are you going to in- interest in the comic to keep with all the Doctor Who comics? I'm going to try it, but I'm actually have a little bit of Doctor Who comic burnout. Okay. Because there's so there is a lot, so many of, and I'm getting them all. And let's just discuss. I've I fallen behind in my reading, and when you do that, do you want to? It's like a bit of a slog. Yeah. But I am interested in seeing this. Uh, I really want to see actually a first and then even a second Doctor. Those are the, oh, and I totally think that's what they're going for as they keep going backwards. You I know, mean, as yeah, I'm I, I, really, I really like Hartnell and uh, yeah. Troughton. But uh, I'm going to give it a try and um, like everything else, we'll see how it goes. They sure are. Do, just, God, putting out a lot of books. Yeah. But, you know, hey, that's, again, it's a good problem to have. I salute Titan for continuing to... Uh Support classic comic strips. You have Mandrake, the Magician, the Dailies, Volume One, by the, you know the legendary Lee Falk artist Phil Davis, and then Flash Gordon, the Dan Barry Dailies, Volume Two. So I always like when they see when they give uh, props to the to the foundational you know stories of our medium, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There's a ton of Doctor Who. Oh, Holy uh, mackerel! Yeah, not and then, not to mention Torchwood and uh, oh yeah. Oh, the variants. If you're a variant collector, I don't I don't know how I, you would I, do anything no, else. No, I just I find one I like and get that one. Oh, yeah, wow. It's just a ton. Yeah. Again, I always have to shout out on page – one of the most important pages in the whole previous on page 436. It's all tomorrow's, baby. And look, our very own Eric Nolan Weathington has a credit. Let's point this out. Plugged in, comics in the video game industry soft cover, written nice. by Eric Nolan Weathington. Plugged in, features interviews with the comics greats Jerry Conway, Roy Thomas, and uh, – Elliot S. Magan, who speak candidly about the early days of Atari, along with comics pros Palmiotti, uh, Bacciolo, Diodato, Ortega, and Remender, discussing their work on the current generation video game hits. Congratulations, Mr. Weathington. And he also has a credit for the Modern Masters Volume 28 for Eric Powell, soft cover. Yes. That's a, that's a re- I think that's an offer again, I believe. I believe so, yeah, but still. Yep. 
That's great. Got to mention his name again. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> and Mike. back issue 92, a Bronze Age Halloween issue. Oh, look at that. Swamp Thing, Phantom Stranger, The Witching Hour, Living Mummy. Oh, Mur- Living Mummy's in there. Nakantu. <laughs> Fantastic bird. Oh, great stuff. Yeah, uh, Tomorrow's is – the service they provide for the, the medium is just invaluable. I will be leaving some money behind at their table at Heroes Con. Terrific. Um, I'm going to go back to Titan for a quick second on page 426. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that there's uh, a Mycroft Holmes comic on offer, co-written by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Holy crap, I didn't even see that. What? (laughs) (laughs) He's a real renaissance man, uh, Mr. Mr. Jabbar. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's uh, along with uh, Raymond Obstfeld, he's uh, writing a story about a young Mycroft Holmes when he was still an agent for uh, Her Majesty's uh, Intelligence Networks, and uh, he's up against some kind of apocalypse plot, using his intellect, which is reputed to be the superior of his brother Sherlock's. Wow. See, my... One of my- because I, I don't watch much basketball. So <laughs> my earliest memory of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is as the co-pilot in an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. When, you, when you tell your dad to try dragging Walton and Lanier up the court. Kid, and he's dragged back because he's felled by the poison food, and, and, and he's suddenly magically wearing basketball shorts. They drag him to the uh, center of the plane. That, that movie never fails. To that is like one of the best movies of all. I, I do like that first one. The second one, not as much, but I still enjoyed it. First ones, that's hilarious. Well, the first one's like I picked it, the wrong the <laughs> <laughs> I like when uh, um, Barbara Billingsley talks jive. Oh, yeah. Chump uh, <laughs> don't want to help. Chump don't get to help. All right, let's get back my, to the my, well, no, One more, one more comment, Pam. All right, Sorry. one more. And there, when the woman is, is, is loses it, she has a breakdown. Everybody's lining up to beat her. <laughs> and then, wait, Leslie Nielsen slaps her. And then he comes back and slaps her again a second time. It's fantastic. Anyway. <laughs> I've now topped my viewing queue. I'm going to get home. <laughs> Anything else for comics, gentlemen? Uh, yes, under Valiant. Um, on page 440, we've got a new series from Fred Van Lenty. It's called Generation Zero. And it's about a group of, uh, well, genetically different, uh, super-powered young people who were raised in seclusion to become government weapons. They get out. They, they go A-team, basically. They go underground, and they offer their services to teens in trouble throughout the country. If you can find them, you can hire Generation Zero. Da, 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 da. And, uh, yeah, to, to the high concept from Fred Van Lanty is uh, the authority meets Archie. And that makes it sound interesting enough just on the basis of that. So that is an interesting <laughs> new series from a writer that we have all come to trust. Action philosophers Fred Van Lanty. So once again, in Jamie D's name, that is something that is worthy of your attention. You're here. On page 474, Shenandoah here. they got some great books for kids. Yeah, they do. DC Superheroes, the big book of girl power. DC Superheroes, the big book of superpowers. Uh, I, I, I love when publishers do books like this. Just great gateway books for, kid, for young kids. Um, they got a nice 70s feel to them. And Pants are something I thought, I thought of you. Uh, page 480, Television's Female Spies and Crime Fighters. Ah, that yes. Looks very, that looks very interesting. An encyclopedia work covers 350 female spies, private investigators, amateur sleuths, detectives, agents, and crime-fighting superheroes since the 1950s. Wow. Very interesting. And Shane, once again, 
Second month in a row. Let's get sartorial. Page 48, a Blue Beetle t-shirt. Nice. That's a beauty, too. That's the first issue of the Len Wein written post-crisis series, right? that sure is. Of course, there's a stock image of Jaime Reyes right next to it, but uh, it's definitely Ted Cord on the shirt itself. Oh, yeah, it sure is. And that great, great pose of him dropping from the bug. You going to pick that up, Shane? That one I may. I didn't pick up the booster one. I may pick up that one. I like this image a little bit better. What, what what fears me is the red shirt. I don't look so good in red. I look like a big round tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else at the back of the book, gentlemen? Mm, nothing for me, no. Nope. No. Yeah, usually not for me. All right. I think, I think I'm good, too. Very good. Well, then that'll wrap it up for this uh, previews episode. As always, brought to you by Discounts Comic Book Service. Go to dcbservice.com for all your pre-ordering needs. Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com to send us an email. The address is ComicGeekSpeak at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com and let us know what interests you in previews. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thank you to everyone who uh, sends stuff in. Uh, keep sending Muddle the Merds, and I'm sure we'll do some at some point. Uh, that never goes away. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. <laughs>